Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome into another episode of Leftovers Podcast. Derek Kramer. Frank R. Curry. Thank you, as always, for listening on WGR550.com. This is the podcast where we jump over the cage to go get more fights after our fights. It's <laughs> good. Yes, I felt like that was that was a necessary drop there. But before we talk about that kind of craziness, the Sabres and Bills winning in the same weekend, and Sabres against Vegas even, we wanted to talk a little bit more about the quarterbacks. I mean, and what better way to do that when the rookie quarterbacks go 4-0 and this past weekend in Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, Sam Donald, and Josh Allen. All of them won. And it's a great timing because we have the QB guru himself, the Mark Schofield, on with us here. Mark, it's Derek, it's Frank. Thank you, as always, for joining us. Derek, Frank, fantastic to be with you guys. Always good to, to chat some football with you and always good to talk about some quarterback stuff, which, as you guys know, I, I kind of like to do that. Oh, yeah, it's kind, it's kind of your thing. And uh, we, we like having you around for that kind of thing. And, I mean, not just because, you know, we just drafted one and everything like that, but, I mean, people like quarterbacks. That's kind of – the NFL likes them so much that there's unnecessary flags being thrown about people touching them. I, I think one of the favorite things I've seen on Twitter in the past couple of days is the Clay Matthews like Twitter ad from the new Call of Duty, where he's just getting flags thrown on him for like roughing the glass or roughing you know somebody else on the other squad. I think it just perfectly sums up exactly where the NFL is right now. I mean, the Kirk Cousins flag from Michael Bennett yesterday. I mean, what is a guy supposed to do at this point? I just don't understand it. I mean, and I'm we, a quarterback. Yeah, I like protecting quarterbacks, but come on. I mean, you even see Aaron Rodgers saying, I like being hit, like, you know, being part of the team and being one of the guys, you know, actually having the physicality part of the game. And we saw a very frustrating moment of that in Buffalo yesterday when Jerry Hughes lets up on Marcus Mariota and he scrambles out and almost throws for a touchdown. Well, he almost threw a pick because it went right into Marlowe's hands. But still, you see that and, like, Hughes let up and he said it's because I didn't want to get that flag. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing this new rule and how they're emphasizing, you know, the body weight and things like that. It's impacting games. I mean, it impacted that Packers-Vikings game. You know, it impacted the guy in Miami that, you know, he tries to hold himself up and he blows his ACL. That play you talked about from yesterday where Hughes holds up as well. Mariota goes on to potentially make a play. It's They've got to fix that. I mean, that that's something that is, once it starts impacting the results and the games on the field, you've got to make a change. For sure. But, Mark, we're not here to talk about that stuff. We're here to talk about, you know, what has been going on with the progression of these rookies. We'll also talk about the next draft class because we still have Tyree Jackson looking pretty dang good overall throughout five games there. So let's start with the NFL. The four rookie quarterbacks going 4-0. And funny that Lamar Jackson is the only one not starting and the Ravens lost. Ha-ha. But, you know, start your rookies and, you know, 
watch the growing pains happen. We have one here in Josh Allen, and the growing pains, I mean, there is emphasis on pain in the last two uh, weeks when it comes to watching Josh Allen. What have your thoughts been on the number seven overall pick so far? I mean, I, I, I'll say this. You guys know where I was on him sort of pre-draft. You know, I looked at him as a guy that was going to take some time, was going to need some development. And there have been some plays where you can see that development take shape. I and mean, we could go back a couple of weeks. You could look at that win against the Vikings. And, yeah, he wasn't asked to do a ton. Brian Dable sort of took a lot off of his plate. He did some nice stuff schematically, obviously, the switch concept on the fake screen that went for a touchdown. He had some wide-open throws in that game. But there were some other times in that game against Minnesota where they called some more vertical routes, where they wanted to take some deep shots downfield. The Vikings covered them, and Allen checked the ball down. And that was a huge problem that I had with him in his pre-draft process because there were so many times at Wyoming when he'd see a situation like that and would just ultimately trust his arm too much and just believe that he could make any sort of throw and while that might have worked for him at times at Wyoming, it's certainly not going to work for him in the NFL. And so you're seeing some stuff like that. Over the past couple of weeks, there have been some more lumps. I thought that game against Green Bay, he was pressured a lot. You certainly saw that. You know, he, he missed the throw on a vertical route on a second down when they got immediate A-gap pressure on him on third down. They faked that look, and he immediately bailed the pocket. And so I thought that, look, you know, he, he's starting to, like, not trust the guys up front. He's starting to get a little panicky back there. He needs to settle himself down. Still made some impressive throws against Green Bay at times. I mean, his arm is as advertised. It is elite. He has that sort of cannon of a right arm that can get him into and out of trouble. And then you look at yesterday, and similar situation. They didn't ask him to do a ton. They did a lot where they were getting him on the move. A lot of designed reads and you know, screens and things like that, or design throws to the flat with McCoy. And you look at that, you know, field goal drive at the end of the game. He threw it twice. Once was a design throw to McCoy in the flat on third down, and then there was a, a tunnel screen. And so they're not asking him to do a ton, but you're still seeing some of, some of the development that you'd like. He's doing more in those sort of full field reads. He's working his eyes from left to middle to right. I don't think the interception was on him at all. Because oh, yeah, that no. was one of those plays where he – Opens to his left, reads the coverage, comes back to the right, throws the curl route, puts it where it should be, and it just gets deflected into the air and intercepted. And so I think there's been progress. I think we're seeing some of the little things start to come and take some shape. I still want to see him have that better feel for touch. There are a lot of times where he still approaches every throw like it needs to be the fastball. I still want to see him learn to take velocity off the throws because I think it's going to help his receivers a bit. It's going to help plays come together a bit. But I think even though there's been some growing pains like you alluded to, it's largely a positive process, and the developmental curve, I think, is there. Take heed there, fans, because when, when Mark says something like that, you know, like I, I know people that, study everything about, you know, like Nate buries himself in game tape. Eric Turner from cover one buries himself in tape. But you bury it all specifically in the quarterback. So what, when you say something, I'm going to believe it. And that's so encouraging to hear, though, that, you know, because there are people, Mark, that throughout the draft process, they bash Josh Allen, but they're sticking to it. Uh, looking at a certain former offensive lineman, Jeff Schwartz there. Um, I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, no, I, like on Twitter, Jeff Schwartz continues to just bury uh, yeah, yeah, Josh no, Allen. I don't, yes. Yeah. So it's just like, so it's encouraging though that, you know, you're hearing this sort of stuff and, you know, we're getting some real progress out of this. And again, yesterday was painful to watch too. And as you said, that interception, that was like Andre Holmes, come on, man, that bounced He's off your face mask because it went through your hands. Yeah. <laughs> but 
I'm rather encouraged to see that, you know, even my view of this has been a little more on the negative side of it. It's like, come on, the last two games have been rough to watch. But to hear you say it, like, you know, it makes you it makes you feel better when you get that second opinion, when you get a specialized opinion, I would even say, uh, on them QBs. So, Mark, the rest of them. We see Baker Mayfield getting starts now. We see Josh Rosen getting in the starting lineup. We've seen Sam Darnold look pretty pedestrian until last I mean, this past game. Um, that first game and then this past game, we've seen Sam Donald pretty much more up and down than Allen, I would even say. So around the league, looking at the rookie quarterbacks, we'll start with Baker Mayfield. How, how has he looked through his first two starts and the uh, heroic comeback for Cleveland in the third week of the season? Well, I think what we're seeing with Baker Mayfield is that, you know, similar to Josh Allen and his arm talent, you know, Baker Mayfield is at, uh, as 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 advertised. And what I mean by that is he's got that sort of main street competitive toughness that changes the culture of a team the second you start to think that he's even going to come into the game. And you look back to that game against the Jets and when Taylor was struggling and that stadium started to think that, look, this was our chance to win a game and we're seeing it slip away. We're going to make a move to Baker Mayfield. They're going to make a move to Baker Mayfield. It, it just changes the atmosphere. And that team looked different the second he came into the huddle. And part of it, yes, is an attitude thing. It's a competitive toughness but what he's able to do in terms of playing the quarterback position changes the nature of that offense because when you look at you know you could look at Tyrod Taylor's passing chart against the Jets and put it next to Baker Mayfield and Taylor everything is towards the line of scrimmage and towards the sideline Mayfield will throw it all over the place he was willing to challenge the middle of the field challenge you between the numbers between the hash marks you can't be successful week in and week out in the NFL if all of your throws are to the boundary and all of your throws are to or behind the line of scrimmage. You have to stress a defense all over the field. Look at how well the Rams use space. Look at how well the Chiefs use space. If you allow the defense to you know, just cover one or two areas of the field and get the job done, you're not going to win. And so Mayfield changes the Browns' offense in that way, and he's willing to make those throws, and he's willing to attack seam routes. And the other thing that he does extremely well is in those sort of scramble throw situations, and this is something the Bills fans should take note of because they like to get Allen on the move, and he's a mobile quarterback. Mayfield does such a great job at keeping his eyes downfield, looking for targets, and one of the biggest plays they had yesterday was one of those scramble throw plays where he extends the play with his legs but doesn't drop his eyes. He keeps them downfield, finds a target. They get a big gain, and they're on the cusp of field goal range. So I think Mayfield has sort of been as advertised in a sense. You know, that athleticism, that competitive toughness, that swagger, those were his calling cards. You know, and he can make all the throws. He's got the arm to do it, and I've been pretty impressed with him. All right, we move on to the guy that's in our division, uh, you know, with Sam Darnold and the Jets. His first career pass goes for pick six, and it made every single Bills fan just laugh out loud because of all the jealousy of all the hatred that we've been getting for taking Josh Allen in the first place. But at the same time, you see Darnold go pick six, bounce back immediately against the Lions, but then kind of tails off until this last game. So what's been up with Sam Darnold, and how have you – seen his progress throughout the season so far you know Donald is probably the most sort of interesting test case to study right now out of these rookie quarterbacks because it's been very up and down it's been very varied and the thing with Donald that I always you know try to tell people pre-draft is look this is a kid that's relatively new to the quarterback position didn't start playing until he was a sophomore in high school so there's a lot of sort of inexperience here he's a young kid too youngest quarterback I believe ever to start an NFL game as a rookie and so 
there's going to be those ups and downs with him, as there will be with all these guys. And you, you look at that game yesterday, I think it was kind of a microcosm of Sam Darnold, who he is as a quarterback and what he can become, because he made some nice throws, two deep balls to Robbie Anderson for touchdowns, and then those were great plays. There was some of that growth that we're seeing from other guys where, you know, he gets a blitz look, you know, from the Broncos, speeds up his process, gets the ball out of his hands quickly, nice velocity sort of anticipation throw. That's what you'd like to see from quarterbacks, especially young rookies. But then you see the flip side to that. You know, we see sometimes where he's trying to make those anticipation throws and speed up that mental part of the game and, you know, get ahead of what the defense is doing, and he misses throws badly. He airmails them. He throws them out of bounds, and he's just missing on those. You see three tipped passes, one that leads to an interception. You see in that sort of loopy mechanical loop to his throwing motion, maybe that's playing a little bit of a role here, and people like myself thought it might because it's given defensive linemen other, or linebackers a chance to sort of get their hands up because they see that throwing motion start to happen. And so there's been, you know, a bit of an up and down to him. But what I liked about him and his game yesterday, because he has that tipped interception, he comes out of the next drive, you know, they're backed up in their own end, they're facing third and long, and he makes one of those impressive velocity throws from the right hash mark to the left sideline that, you know, not too many quarterbacks in the league can do, and he does it in that moment to bounce back from that, that interception. I thought that was an impressive play from him. So he's been up and down. You know, I, I think he'll get there, too. Um, I do think that, you know, he does have a ways to go, but I, I think some of the signs from him are, again, like with the other two guys we talked about, things are moving in a positive direction for him. All right, and then finally, Josh Rosen. Probably, And this is coming with the Bills included in this statement. Probably the worst situation in the NFL for a rookie quarterback to be jumping into looks like it's Arizona. And that's despite having David Johnson, despite having Larry Fitzgerald. But the Cardinals are just, they're a mess right now. But you see Rosen finally getting Arizona their first one of the season. And how has he looked despite what is a very, very tough situation. I seriously would take the Bills situation over Arizona's right now. Yeah, I, and part of the Arizona situation is they've got to figure out a better way to get Johnson involved in, all, in the offense because I think they've underutilized him. You know, as, as for Rosen, I was more impressed with his game last week than his game this week. Um, you know, last week against Seattle, he made a number. He was 15 of 27, and, you know, the numbers don't sound great at first blush. He throws 180 and a touchdown. But I thought he made a ton of throws in that game that were really impressive. He got let down a lot with drops. You know, even guys like Larry Fitzgerald um, making some drops there. And so that was a little bit frustrating to see, I think. But, you know, when you watch him, you see the accuracy. You see the mental side of the game where, you know, he was really sort of ahead of things from that perspective when he was coming out. I thought he really showed the, you know, the mental process and speed and stuff like that to be very successful. And so you look at that game yesterday, he hit some a big one early, another well-designed play. They love that sort of double crossing route concept. You know, he hit it for a touchdown against the Seahawks. He hits it for a touchdown here and a deep shot to Christian Kirk, and they're off and running. But again, you know, it comes down to another situation. You get some drops, you get some, you know, miscues up front, things like that that sort of let him down. So it's another week where the numbers are pretty pedestrian, 10 of 25 for 170 and a touchdown. The offense seems to slow down a little bit after that first big shot. But I still think he's playing well. And I think, you know, this is going to be obviously a rebuilding type year for them. Um, I, I think they get him some better talent around him, some guys he can play with, and, you know, he'll probably go on to have another a great sort of rebound-type year, second year. You know, I don't know if he'll make the sort of leap that we saw from, like, a Jared Goff from year one to year two, but I'd expect him to have a much better second year because, yeah, that, that talent around him is letting him down at times. 
All right. Speaking of the leaps from year one to year two, we have seen Patrick Mahomes take that leap, and he's been wowing everyone. I don't think I need to go f- too far in Mahomes with you because anything that has been seen is just kind of obvious. The man's dominating everything in every aspect of the game right now. Deshaun Watson, the Bills' next opponent, and Mitchell Trubisky, who the Bills also face later in the season, are those guys that are clearly lesser known in that draft class based on how amazing Mahomes has been. What has been the progression with Trubisky and Watson, who took the league by storm as a rookie last year, has kind of come back down to earth? Yeah, I mean, I think with Watson, you know, he's still playing extremely well despite – you know, the numbers maybe not looking like they did last year. You know, he's throwing for, you know, a bunch of yards behind an offensive line that can't protect him. And now now part of that is also on him. You know, there are times when, you know, Watson might look to drop his eyes. He might look to, you know, find an escape route and things like that. But I think, you know, that's another quarterback that's not being helped too much by the guys around him, particularly the guys up front. They're struggling to protect him at times. And so, you know, even though Watson – has thrown the five interceptions. You know, he's been sacked 18 times. You know, he got beat up last night against against the Cowboys, and still they managed to pull out that win thanks to Sean Hopkins going off there in overtime. But, you know, I, I think that's been the issue with Watson. With Trubitsky, you know, you talk about an experience like I did with Donald. This is a guy that was even less experienced coming out. He only had, I think, 12 starts in college. You know, he had, you know, eight or ten starts last year as a rookie. He doesn't have a ton of games under his belt, and now he's already playing in the second NFL system. And so with him, it, it, this is almost, I'm sort of looking at this with Trubisky as sort of a, a second rookie season in a way because of the, you know, minimal number of starts he has to him. The fact that he's playing in a new offense that he's trying to learn. Matt Nagy's doing some stuff schematically that's really helping him. Obviously, he had a huge day against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that's, a defense that is making every opposing quarterback look like Patrick Mahomes right now. And so, you know, I'm looking more for Trubisky to make the leap from this year to next year. You know, with Watson, I think, you know, they need to figure out how to protect him. You know, they need to get him more time back there because there are times when he's sort of running around for his life. He can still make throws. He can still make plays. He's still, you know, that competitively tough kid that looked like he couldn't even breathe out there in overtime, but yet he's, you know, moving them down the field. And so that's kind of where I'm at with these two guys. Mahomes obviously has taken sort of the NFL by storm right now. And if that defense can start getting some stops like they did yesterday, Kansas City is going to be really tough to beat. All right. So I guess my only question with Mahomes would be, did anyone see this coming? I mean, I don't think anybody saw this. I think there were people, myself included, that said, look, you know, he's, got the sort of aggressiveness that, that you need to succeed in the National Football League. You know, yeah, there might be mistakes at times, but you don't want to coach that out of him. You don't want him to be ultra-conservative. You don't want to take away what defines him as a passer, and that is that sort of audacity that he has as a quarterback where he's not afraid of anything. He's not afraid of any window. He's not afraid of any throw. And when you combine that with the arm talent that he has, that sheer ability to just flip the wrist and send the ball wherever he wanted to and put it wherever he wanted to, you know, there were going to be some video game type numbers with him. And that's what we're seeing. The the interesting thing is now seeing how defenses try to combat what they do. You know, you can't just play a standard cover two or cover three against them. You can't go man across the board because Tyree Kill or somebody else is going to beat you. You've got to mix up your looks mix up your coverages, do some more combination stuff. But that's stuff that he's seen, too. People seem to expect that, oh, he's going to get these exotic looks that he's never seen before. He was seeing stuff like that in the Big 12. And so I'm not 
a believer in that all oh, people are going to figure him out. I think it's more a, a question of can you get pressure up front, can you move him off the spot, and then do you have the athletes in the secondary to cover well into the play. And if you do, you've got a chance. And if you don't, you're probably going to end up losing. All right, Mark. I mean, this has been – like, what a time it is, though, to have a young quarterback in this league because it's just all sorts of exciting. And then we still have to wait on seeing Lamar Jackson as well, and that's – you know, you've known from the draft process last year, that's still one of my guys. And Right. It's, but it's just so fun to look at the youth being injected into the league right now. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's great to see. And I think the league needed this because we are at the end of, you know, the previous guard of quarterbacks with Brady, with Eli Manning, with Roethlisberger, with Rivers. You know, we needed that sort of next generation. And now you can sort of look around the NFL. And I think, you know, with maybe a couple of exceptions, most teams feel pretty good about where they are with the quarterback position right now. You've got, you know, these rookies playing well. You've got these second-year guys playing well. And so I think most teams are probably pretty okay with what they're at, which might be a good thing because, you know, if we do talk about next year's group, you know, I'm a believer in that this next quarterback class is deeper than people give it credit for, but it's certainly lacking the star power we saw in in the group that just came out. Well, I think there's no better time than that to talk about this coming class here. And there are still some names that I'm fond of with this group. I've kind of, fell off the map with watching them as much though this year mark and part of that may be because we do have josh allen part of that also just maybe i keep having to work saturdays Uh, but you know of the groups uh, of the quarterback class what uh, give us some of your favorite prospects you know guys that could be first round second round tier right i mean i I think the guy you have to start with is justin Herbert, the kid at oregon who you know, he opened up the season with, you know, some big games against the Portland States and the San Jose States and the Bowling Greens of the world. But then you see that game against Stanford. And while Ogren lost that game, the kid is as advertised. And I know I'm using that expression a lot, but what he does is the velocity throws, the placement, and the anticipation, which is ahead of many college quarterbacks, even guys who showed that they could do that fairly well, such as a Sam Darnold last year. He had some throws against Stanford in that game where the ball was out and on the receiver before they even thought about turning around. And so I've been very impressed with him. Two guys that people were talking about a lot, Drew Locke, Jared Stidham. Stidham has really fallen off. You know, they're coming off another bad loss to Mississippi State. It seems like, and this is something I wanted to see from him from studying, you know, last year and into the summer, you know, waiting to see what he was going to do this year. I wanted to see him take charge in those moments when they needed that to be more of a passing offense. There were times when, you know, last year when they took a lot off of his plate, when they needed to really push the ball downfield to make some plays happen in the passing game, he didn't live up to those moments. We're seeing that again. So I'm, I'm really sort of falling off the Jared Stidham bandwagon. Drew Locke, I think, he's got a nice arm. Um, I know that there will probably be some NFL teams that are going to be interested in him. I just still really don't see with him. He has a huge test this week against Alabama. This might be a, a game for him where if he – comes out and makes some plays, even if they don't win. But if he looks good against that defense, that would really go a long way to sort of helping himself. So guys that aren't getting a ton of publicity that I like, Ryan Finley, kid down at NC State. You know, I know he's a bit older. Um, some teams probably might want to shy away from an older quarterback. But I think he's had a really good start to this year, not making a lot of mistakes. He's more of an efficient quarterback. Might be limited somewhat schematically, but I think that he's more of your like safe-type option. So I do like him a lot. And then a kid that I keep coming back to is Brett Rippon, the kid out of Boise State. And I know that when they had that big game against Oklahoma State, 
you know, they didn't go, come out of there with a win, but I think he fared pretty well in that game. I like a lot of what he does, you know, the manipulation, and, you know, moving defenders with his eyes, you know, working through progression reads. You know, he's a very experienced passer. He started for them as a freshman, and so there's not a lot that he hasn't seen before. And so I think, you know, if we get into sort of senior bowl time, I think he's a name you're going to hear more and more of. And then, look, the two sort of wild cards right now, I think, are Dwayne Haskins and Tyree Jackson. I mean, those guys have shown that they can make NFL throws, that they can fare in the new sort of wave of NFL offense, the more spread, wide-open stuff. Both of those guys, you know, maybe they go out, maybe they don't, but they're definitely guys that have put themselves on the map to this point in the season. But, yeah, for sure. I mean, Tyree Jackson, I mean, first off, have you still have you been able to get up here to check out a game while Frank is dying over there? Uh, but <laughs> I'm dying. You know, Getting getting more onto Tyree Jackson though. I mean, the Bulls are four and one. They're looking pretty sharp, and a lot of that has to do with the offensive production that the Bulls are able to boast with Tyree Jackson on that on that week to week basis. What more do you need to see from him if you want to be able to try to consider him as a first round legitimate prospect? Right, and I think the what you kind of want to look from him is just you know chopping away at sort of the mistakes and the turnovers because you know you you've seen now. You know, through six games now, he's only got the four interceptions. I want to sort of keep it at that sort of level because, you know, you got 70 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's running some NFL-type concepts. You know, example, I did a, a video of him um, running the Haas concept that mirrored, like, hitch seam that the Patriots run all the time. He hit that for a touchdown against Rutgers, did a fantastic job of moving the safety with his eyes. And so you want to see more stuff like that while eliminating the mistakes, while making sure that he's not turning the ball over, he's not making risky throws, he's not throwing those quote-unquote interceptable passes. And I think he's well on his way to doing that. And so, you know, maybe the you know big-time draft media hasn't really caught up to Tyree Jackson yet, but I think they'll eventually get there. I definitely think he's somebody that, you know, should he decide that, look, you know, I've done what I want to do. I'm going to enter this draft. He might be a player that could take advantage of guys like Stidham and Locke and others sort of falling by the wayside. He might be something that could sort of take advantage of what many might perceive to be a weak class at the top. Tyreek Jackson might also be go- continue to go under the radar too because his number one receiver, Anthony Johnson, is injured right now. He hasn't played the last right. couple of weeks. So he's had to, he's had to have, have these games without him, and we don't know when – uh, Johnson's coming back, who's another big, uh, big name for the NFL draft as well in the receiver class. Yeah, I mean that's a great point, and you know it might be a situation that you know because of that, because of the fact that you know unless he gets a Shrine Game invite, maybe he doesn't get that sort of big time media attention if he decides to come out. That it's going to be up to you know teams to really do their due diligence on him. But I think if they do, they'll like what they find. Yeah, for sure. I mean. I could see that happening where Tyree gets a Shrine Game invite and then turns that into the Senior Bowl invite, kind of a la uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did. And, you know, a couple we've seen players throughout the years now end up playing both games because of the fact that they do so well in the Shrine Game. And then people go, we have to get a look at this guy. So, yeah, yeah. that's going to be fun. I mean, hey, have you been able to check out a UB game yet, Mark? I have not. I have not. Um, going to have to try to see if I can get that done. Um, schedule is starting to get filled up here, but I'll see what I can do. All right, man. Good, good. Um, any last musings, though, at you know, pro college, any of the sort that you, you would like to help indulge the public in? Well, I mean, I, I think the 
the the main thing is just the fact that this new wave of quarterbacks we are seeing, you know, the younger guys, the rookies, the second year guys, it's showing us that the change in offensive football is coming. You know, the days of dropping back, sitting in the pocket and having to throw the 10 yard out while you still need to do that as a quarterback, we're going to see more of these guys with the skill sets of a Watson or a Mahomes or a Baker, you know, come into the league and sort of have some production and have some success and be able to translate. I mean, another guy who I didn't mention just now was Will Greer from West Virginia, who, yeah, he made some mistakes last week, and I know some people are harping on him for turnovers and ball security and things like that, but these are the types of quarterbacks that are going to come into the league and have success because now we're getting coaches that believe in these offenses believe in the spread, that believe in the air raid concepts. And it's not just a league that's going to shun these guys, and a league that's going to accept these guys. And more guys that believe in these systems are going to become coaches themselves, offensive coordinators and head coaches. And so the new era of offense is upon us. We've got some great, young, talented quarterbacks that are going to be running these, games, these offenses, and it's going to make the NFL fun to watch for years to come. Mark, have you been blessing the reins in Africa? You know I've been blessing the reins, my friend. I always do. I mean, it is now, I believe it is, a month until I see Tono live in concert down here in D.C., and I cannot wait. Excellent, my man. Mark, thanks as always for joining us. We love hearing anything and everything that you've got on the quarterbacks, whether it's pros, college, anything of the sorts. I mean, hey, hey, if I asked you, how's, how's a high school quarterback looking, I'm pretty sure I'd be able to get a damn good answer out of you there, too. So thank you, as always, for joining us, and let the people know where they can find you, as always. Guys, again, thanks for having me. It's always a blast to be with you guys. Best way to find me is on Twitter, at Mark Schoolfield. I write for places like Pro Football Weekly, The Score, Inside the Pylon, Big Blue View, part of the SB Nation of websites, um, and the Matt Waldman Rookie Scouting Portfolio, mattwaldmanrsp.com. Oh, and by the way, can Brady stop? <laughs> I, I Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a fun game to watch Sunday night. I mean, I, I anticipate... Yo, here's the thing, though. I anticipate one of these shootouts between Kansas City and Mahomes and Brady and, you know, Josh Gordon and company. It'll probably end up, you know, at 15, 13 defensive struggle somehow. But sitting here right now, I think that game's going to be fun to, fun to watch. It's time for the youth. Brady, leave us yeah. all alone. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> Don't get your team a new quarterback and just go away, Brady. I'm pretty sure you're bored of watching Brady at this point, man. I mean, there's only so many things you can say about the guy. It's like, oh, yeah, pocket movement is great. Made a nice throw. Good read. Okay, enough. I'm tired, too. Yes, yes. Give Mar- Let's give Mark some new blood, Patriots. Yeah, Let Brady walk away. Yes, give, yeah. give Mark something new to take a look at. Mark, thanks again, man, as always. I look forward to Tyree Jackson, New England Patriots. That's going to be fun. Oh. Now you're cutting deep, bro. Oh. <laughs> All right, Mark, thanks for taking the time, I think that man. shows how much of a fan he is, though. Oh, that's true, yeah. All right. All right, guys. All right, later, Mark. See you, guys. That's Mark Schofield inside the pile, hon. And, man, that was a deep cut there that's at good. the end. Oh. Oh. Oh, if why you got to cut me like that, oh. Mark? Why you got to do me like that? That's a great way to end it. Oh, my God, and I owe you wings, and that's going to Ah, if you get Tyree <laughs> Jackson and wings. Well, maybe maybe next time we have him on, you tell him if the Patriots draft Tyree Jackson. Oh, I'm not getting out of those wings. He, no, no, you're, you're he called gonna, it. He you're came gonna in gonna buy him wings, 
But if the Patriots draft Tyree Jackson after next year's draft, he has to buy you wings. No, 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 no. That is not how that goes. The man was a guest for us on a 1 a.m. segment. <laughs> that You don't get out of that. Yeah. No, I'm still buying him wings. Yeah, I'm not getting out of that. You're this. buying him wings no matter what. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Your stipulations are irrelevant. But they offset each other. They offset each other. We're now, now at – a few months down the line, he's going to buy you wings this time. No, no, no. That's not how that works. Whatever. I, I will never be able to get out of that, and I'm okay with it because that, that was no, that was no. You're great. still buying him wings no matter what, no matter what happens. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, anyway, that's Mark Thanks. Schofield, and he had some encouraging words about Josh Allen, and I'm very pleased to know that you know those like again, we've got people on Twitter that are sticking to their guns and saying that he's been bad and he's always been bad. I'm still and blah, getting blah, blah. texts of that. They should have drafted Rosen, the Bills. And that's okay for people to think that. Yeah. It just look, like my problem my problem with Jeff Schwartz a couple of weeks ago was exactly what Mark was saying. Like that Vikings game, he did the things that there were question marks about. And then a guy like Schwartz goes, oh, what's the big deal? All he did was check downs. Yeah, that was his problem coming out of college. So why don't you step off? And just continue your narrative just, of hating the guy. Just so whatever. I'm not gonna care. Yeah. Really. Like, whatever. Just let, like, just let Allen do it. Like, just also, <sighs> we're learning Jared Goff, probably the best example of this, that it is way too early to put any sort of label on any of these guys. All of the guys that we just talked about. Uh, what happens when you actually put a team around a quarterback? Yeah. But look at it: Mayfield, Darnold, Rosen, Allen, Jackson, and then even we look at Mahomes is looking great, but we can't anoint him as a Hall of Famer yet. Watson. Looked like that before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Now he's still doing good, but still. Trubisky dropping six TDs. Yeah. It's way too quick to go ahead and anoint anyone good or bad because people were killing Jared Goff in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And what's he doing now? He killing secondaries. He's Now he's the one doing He's the, the one doing all the killing. They have yet to score under 30 points. I know. They are terrifying. Yeah. Should we do picks now and then the Bills, or do we do Bills now and then the picks and then the Sabers? Let's do, let's do the Bills now. Okay, we're Bills still talking now. About quarterbacks and thirteen to twelve. I'm not sure about that because I was kind of asleep during the game. I'm kidding. It was not a. It was not an easy watch. That's let's for sure. Let's just chalk this up as ugly win. Let's just chalk this up to what I was saying throughout the week. The Titans are bad. They are a phony yeah. three win team, just like the Dolphins. And it was proven on Sunday. That was when we did our picks last week. That's why I was so torn about it because I know that Tennessee is not good. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they play well. Look at the Eagles, but again, there's just one of these things about Tennessee that just never sings to me as a a good team. By the way, uh, I won pickums this week. Yeah, probably. I. No, not probably, definitely. No, I'm, I'm, I know a lot of my picks were, but they were. So we'll we'll get we'll get to you bashing me <laughs> in a little bit. But this defense stepped up without Micah Hyde in the lineup, no less. Yeah, no touchdowns though. Taron Johnson was bailed out at the end of the game on that drop. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. The Williams drop. Yeah, yeah. Oh my. Williams God. dropped a great play from Mariota. But on that same drive, Mariota could have thrown a pick, too, because on that play that Jerry Hughes lets up, Dean Marlowe's in perfect coverage, and it bounces off of him yep. and out. Yep. 
And Tajay Sharp's like, oh, what about interference? No, dude, he was in front of you. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> he kind of is entitled to that space. So this game was a very – like this game reminded me, wait, we do have a defense. These last three games, really, I should say. You shut down a very potent Vikings offense. Yep. You only allowed 22 to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Or 20, was it 22 or 21? It was 22. Yeah, 22. You only allowed 22 to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. It just would have been nice to get some points in that game. And 12 on Tennessee. No touchdowns. Yeah, no touchdowns. For Tennessee. Well, again, I don't think Tennessee's that good. They should have at least The fact had that some you touchdowns. still didn't allow a touchdown. Exactly. It's huge and paramount to winning a game like this. Yeah. The only touchdown of the game was Josh Allen taking off mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Which there's a there's a fun stat for you on that. That uh, Jeff Hunter pointed out to me on Twitter. Like he pointed out to the public, but I was just like, hey, I'm I'm gonna get in on this conversation because it's fun. Through the first five games, minimum five pass attempts mm-hmm. of a player's career, Josh Allen joins Mark Brunel as the only player with more rushing touchdowns and passing touchdowns through his first five games. Minimum five I, pass attempts. I don't know how I feel about that. Minimum five passing attempts. I don't know how I feel about that. It's a unique stat. It's a unique stat. And only one other player has ever done it. Yeah, that's true. If you include anyone with less than five passing attempts, Tim Tebow's name is on that list. Oh, God. <laughs> but that's one less That's less than one pass attempt a game, though. So does that really count? Not really. No, not really. And that means that you have to at least be starting to throw more than five passes. Yeah. Which Tebow was not. No. So take that, Tebow. Ha-ha. <laughs> but Josh Allen was a bit scattered in that game. He looked good at times. He did not at other times. And that's the Josh Allen experience. That's what But at the same time. You should have expected out of a rookie. Now here's my thing. Rookie Allen. It's funny how much everyone complained about Tyrod Taylor and how, you know, how things are looking there and like, oh, they can't possibly be getting worse. Well, guess what? They're actually 32nd now in the league in passing. Yeah. Which is literally a step down from last year. A step down. The only one you could take. One step. Mm Mm-hmm. And it could somehow have been worse if Nathan Peterman started more than one half of football. It would have been worse and it's also a product of well you're starting a rookie quarterback who have they signed Derek Anderson yet uh, I haven't heard anything because there was that report yesterday from Chris yeah. Mortensen about the Bills signing Derek Anderson everything of the sorts there so let's talk about that a little bit I mean you're seeing Allen struggling and he needs a veteran voice in this room and every time all I'm thinking about right now is just this What were you doing that you decided Nathan – like, it's just the fact that Nathan Peterman is still on this roster. He was still relied upon not just to be a part of the quarterback room but to start a game. And yet now you're like, oh, wait, we still do need to sign a veteran presence for this room. The fact that they waited until five weeks in to make that decision. It just tells you that – Maybe Nathan Peterman's just not cut out for even being a backup right now in this league. That he is that bad and that raw. Do you think there's a little bit of before the reports of Anderson that 
Because they were kicking there's the tire. Some, there's kick- stubbornness in in liking the Nathan staff. Peterman. And yeah, yeah, that they like it, that they like him that much that yes, they will do everything they can to keep him. Yes, I do. I do agree with that because now they're kicking the tires on other players. Yeah, you saw Landry Jones, and in their report yesterday too. Yep, from Adam Schefter. There was Paxton Lynch earlier. In the seat. I mean, but he's like, still a young quarterback, right? But still, Jones the fact is, that they were the fact that they were bringing in other quarterbacks on Art Nathan Peterman yeah. should say something that maybe they finally realized that Nathan Peterman's probably not cut out for this league, and we should sign somebody else. But Jones is like the funny thing about Jones is Jones is like the Steelers version of AJ McCarron. Oh, yeah, it's true. That's true. He's appeared in 19 games, by the way. Landry Jones, because of how often Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt but then comes back in the lineup. Yeah. Because he doesn't have a lot of starts to his name. Landry Jones is a pretty interesting figure. You would think he'd played more because you hear about him all the time. But yet, he doesn't have that many starts in the league. As Frank takes a look and is like, I'm intrigued. Well, it doesn't say. Unfortunately, ESPN doesn't say how many pro games football he started. Well, always go. I'm pro, already here. Always go pro football reference. Yeah, on. but I'm already here. No, you can click back, and then go to pro football reference because it's better. But anyway, my big thing is this. Five. Yeah, he's five starts. So again, he's the Steelers version of AJ McCarron. Because how long has he been in the league, Frank? Five, five years. years. Yeah. AJ McCarron. Yeah. Five years. His record's three and two. Again. But, I mean, records. records <laughs> I know, but it. that's just funny. Yeah. But, again, the Bills are looking into, at minimum, another A.J. McCarron or Derek Anderson, who's played 40, who started 45 games throughout 12 years of a career. And this may not have to do with talking with a pl- talking with the quarterback on the sidelines, a la Josh McCown and Sam Darnold. This may have to do with the week, like by the week preparation, because Nathan Peterman doesn't know what he's doing either. He's only been here for a year. Yeah, in this league, you have to have another veteran presence there to let you know to help out with some sort sort of different looks that are being given to you. Josh Allen and Brian Dable have said it that there are looks that Josh Allen has not seen. You know who's seen it? Probably 12-year veteran Derek Anderson. Probably. Probably five-year guy in Landry Jones. Probably five-year guy in A.J. McCarron. Yeah. You know who also hasn't seen it? Nathan Peterman. Mm-hmm. So, again, it just goes back to what were you doing at the position in the offseason? It was that you had – and I go back to what you said. Well, they started out – There's and- just too much faith in Nathan Peterman that yeah. it kind of just – you guys shot yourself in the foot. Oh, well. It didn't help, too, that Peterman did actually play really well in the preseason. Of course it didn't. He, I mean, it, that, if, he did, if he did anything else, anything worse, yeah, he's the one probably gone. McCarron sure. stays as the backup. Yep. And Allen would have started, the, started against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. But I'm fine, just... I know, and I'm fine with them bringing in Derek. I wanted... I wanted that for Allen. They need because they needed a veteran guy. Like that's precisely why the Jets kept McCown. Is to mentor Darnold. You see, you, you when you watch the Jets play, when Darnold's on the bench, when 
you know, he's going over stuff with the offensive coordinator. Guess who's there right with him? Sitting next to him, reading, looking at the tablets along alongside Darnold, Josh McCown. And throughout and the giving week. In, and throughout the week. You something know, we don't see. Yeah, something we don't see, too. He's How to break down there. Bill. Yeah. What coverage is being looked at here? This is something new. Here's how you beat it. Here's how you go against it. Here's why they're doing yeah. it. Here's what that is going to strengthen against you, and here's how to exploit it. Because he's seen it. And he may not have been the starting quarterback when he's seen it, but he's seen it. And he's seen better quarterbacks than him and how they decipher and how they get out of it. I think that it's a great idea to bring in a guy like Derek Anderson for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then everyone goes ahead and takes Chris Mortensen's tweet out of context because he said even possibly playing time. He meant that as by injury. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he as later, a, and he as later as clarifies. He did. He did as a backup. Yeah. You always have to be ready. Yeah. It just – but everyone's like, what? Are they going to pull Josh, McCown, Josh Allen out of the lineup? Why? Why, why, why do you blah, – blah, 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 blah. Shock. And I'm shock. like, guys, people, calm down. People go out of line on Twitter. Calm down. Shock. This is my shock It wasn't face. just on Twitter. It was It was said as this well. This is my it shock just, face. Yeah. It's, it's a very shocked face I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah. All right. But the defense, looking great. Mm-hmm. Trey White. Great job against Corey Davis. Taron Johnson, great job against Corey Davis when they put him in the slot. Mm-hmm. Taron Johnson's looking like a very, very solid, solid nickel corner yeah. in this league already. Mm-hmm. Now, if only he can just stop beating the hell out of his shoulder. Because he, he still plays very physical. And he busted up his shoulder in the first game, and it's just going to linger throughout the season. I want him to be able to be healthy in the lineup. So, that's... That's probably not going to happen for the rest of this year. He's not going to be hundred percent. Yeah, probably not. But the guy is looking very impressive. Got his first career interception against Mariota, or it looks like Mariota almost threw it right at him. But he also had to duck in front of the receiver to get it. But he was right in the hip pocket the whole time. Taron Johnson looks great. Jadavius White, fantastic again. And you go ahead and you look at everything. It's just everything about this Bills defense is looking good. The Bills offense actually was able to run the ball yesterday. The line was able to get some sort of a push. But did you notice that a lot of their biggest gains were plays on the outside, whether it was McCoy or Ivory carrying the football? Their interior line is still a mess. Well, yeah. And it's going to always be. Oh, yeah. For the rest of this year. Oh, yeah. It just, but it looked like, Dable knew that, and he went away from the weakness of their line and went ahead and attacked Tennessee on the outside with the running game, something I would like to keep seeing. Because what are you going to do? Vacate the middle of the field? Okay. I mean, even the Bills offensive line can do something about that. So keep attacking on the outside. Keep using Deion Dawkins, and by God, your second-best offensive lineman, Jordan Mills. That is a terrible realization. (laughs) All right, anyway. Overall, not the most fun game to watch. But what is it? It's W. It's a win. And you take them any way you can. Yeah, especially when you're not going to have many. When there is a solid chance at that. But you get Houston. You get Indianapolis. And the AFC South, again, looking like a bunch of fakes and phonies. So what a surprise. All right, Frank. Pickums. Yes, go ahead and make fun of me. How bad did I do? 
So, with with Monday Night Football still to play. Yep. I went ten and four this week. Okay. <laughs> so I did less than ten. That's not good. You went seven and seven. Ugh. Nice we, job, we both, Derek. We both picked Tennessee to win. That you know. Though I was fighting that. Yeah. I, I got Cleveland over Baltimore. <sighs> Stupid Ravens. <laughs> Stupid Ravens. We were both wrong on Green Bay. They lost to Detroit. Yeah. We were both wrong on Denver, losing to the Jets. Yep. I picked Pittsburgh over Atlanta. You picked Atlanta. Yeah, wow. Way to show up there, Falcons. Now you're one and four. The Bills are better than Atlanta. That's true. Oh, my God. But you did the get... The Cardinals are as good as Atlanta when you look at the record. Yeah. You did get Minnesota over Philly. Yay. But then I got Arizona over San Francisco. Mm. <laughs> and then I picked also picked Houston over Dallas. You picked Dallas. I picked Dallas? You did. I'm going to need to listen to the tape on that. It's not that I don't believe you, but at the same time, I don't believe me. Because <laughs> I hate Dallas. I never pick Dallas. I always want them to go 0-16. Well, I think because you saw they were playing Houston. Like I said, I don't not believe you. I just can't believe me. You can't believe yourself. Yeah. All right, even still, even if it was wrong, even if you did pick Houston. You still you, beat me. You still win. You you go eight and six. Yeah, like, I just I just matter. I just look a little better. You just look a tad better. I look a tad better than seven win. Ew. And seven. if New to be fair, and if New Orleans and then if New Orleans wins, I go eleven and four this week and you go eight and seven. All right, for the love of God, give me a winning record this week. Yeah, really. Who are they facing? Washington. Oh, okay. They should win. Yeah. All right. All right. Thursday nighter. <sighs> Eagles Giants to start. Yo, the Giants lost on a 63 yard field goal. They did. <laughs> one year after losing on a 61 yard <laughs> field goal. Fell to this team, too. Bad teams find ways to lose games. Count me in on the Eagles. All right. They, the Eagles have, are they one and four? Two and three. Two and three. They're two and three. That's wacky. Yeah, it is pretty wacky. But yeah, I think they could. But, Give me a heaping helping of the Giants to make me feel better if I'm a Philly fan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tampa Bay, Atlanta. Oh, man. I mean, Tampa's coming off the bye week. Tampa's coming off the bye week, but Tampa is also what I would call a bad team. And Winston's starting. Winston's starting for the first time this season. The Falcons are better than their record. Yeah. I'm Wait. Going, let, me, let me correct that. The Falcons' offense is better than their record. I'm going Atlanta. I'm going Atlanta as well. I just – Tampa Bay's defense is bad, mm-hmm. and I don't think Jameis Winston's going to be able to stay consistent enough in his first start of the season to be able to core, just correct anything that, that Tampa defense is. As Mark Schofield said, they make anyone look like Patrick Mahomes. All right. So start Matt Ryan and all your Falcons. Ooh. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. Pittsburgh-Cincinnati. I'm going Bengals. I'm going Bengals. I mean, the Roll Bengals 4-1. and one. They are. The Bengals are 4-1. and one. Actually, this would be exactly the kind of game that they would lose. Yeah. Especially since they now have... But Road Ben. Hmm. Road Ben, though. Like, yeah, but the Bengals... The Bengals scream 10-6 to me. 
and how they and that's how they win but the division. The but but you need to get the six. But losses. Cincinnati's going to lose next week, though. Who are they facing? Kansas City. Okay. All right, we'll find it there. I'm picking the Bengals. I'm just, I'm just yeah. theorizing though that this is that game that they could lose. It's this a would be a game. It's that a division game. Lose. Yeah, this would be a game that they will lose. But I think because they're pl- they're at home and they're playing road Roethlisberger and Pittsburgh is a mess right now. They can they can squeeze out an ugly win. Pittsburgh scored 40 points just now. I know, but since his defense is really good, they are pretty good. All right, moving on. Chargers Browns. Oh, that's a toughie. That is a toughie. Give me Chargers. Give me Browns. All right. I like oh, it. my God. I'm picking the Browns. Hey, I I picked the Browns last week, and it worked. I know, but when I pick the Browns, it doesn't work. Well, things, things are bound to change. Well, there's only one time it worked, and that was when Cleveland got their first win since 2016. I know. <laughs> that was also their first win on Sunday since 2015. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay, next game. Wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, Owen Wilson. Wow. Seahawks Raiders. Wow. Give me the Seahawks. I'm going upset. You're I'm picking, going I'm picking Oakland. You're picking John Gruden to actually do something right. Mm-hmm. Allow me to give you a, an Earl Thomas real quick. <laughs> That's right. I'm flipping Frank off. That's what that means. Yeah. All right. Okay. Chicago, Miami. I'm going Bears. I'm also going Bears. Like Tennessee, Miami's a phony three-win team. Yeah. And the Bears defense. Oh, my God. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. Do you see what Cincy did to Ryan Tannehill? Khalil Mack could do that by himself. (laughs) Talking to you there, Oakland. Okay. Arizona, Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. They're too – they're looking like they're getting back on the right track because they kept up with the Rams, which is not an easy task. Yeah. And then they beat the Eagles. I think that they can get themselves a nice bounce back win here. All right. Colts, Jets. This might be ugly. I'm going upset. Give me the Colts. You are too? Yes. I'm also going Colts. Not liking it, but. I'm going to go Colts as well. All right, Carolina-Washington. Carolina-Washington. Give me Panthers. Yeah, give me the Panthers there too. This one should be this one should be relatively easy. Rams-Broncos. Do I even need to state my pick? I know, right? If it's got the Rams until week 10, just give me the Rams. Right. All right. Jags-Cowboys. Jaguars. Okay. Because, again, I, I know, think Dallas, Dallas is bad. How the hell did I pick them? Yeah, fair. Last week. I, I, again, I'm believing you to be right on writing things down. Either I said something wrong to make you think that I did it, or I very stupidly did it. I think you very stupidly did it, and you probably also did just to get another difference between us. But we had – I don't lo- know. We had enough. We had a it's lot the of the Cowboys. It is. They suck. And Jerry could go to hell. <laughs> All right, next. Come on, let's go to the next game. Next game. Pick the cow. I cannot believe I picked. I, Ra- Ravens, I cannot Titans. Believe it. I Ra- cannot Ravens, believe it. Ravens, Titans. Ravens. Yes. They're pissed. Yes. Give me the Ravens. Not that the Titans aren't, but the Titans aren't good. The Sunday nighter. 
Chiefs Patriots. Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs. They're too good. They're too good. And you think that Patriots defense is going to stop them? <laughs> oh, I've got a Matthew Stafford that would like to have a, th- a word or that, two with you. This game has a chance to be like 48-40. That, that game has a chance to be 53-49. Take the over. By God. <laughs> no matter what the over is. Take the over. Take the over. The over might be 100. Take it. The over. What if the over is 200? That's just not possible. Take it. You only have to shut up. It's not. Shut up. It's totally possible. It's Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, and two bad defenses. Yeah. All right. We're about to see some Big Twelve football there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And that's Pat Mahomes' game. That's why I'm taking oh, the Chiefs. Yes. Yes. Pat Mahomes is used to Big Twelve football, okay. where there's no such thing as defense. Okay. Mo- the Monday Nighter. Niners Packers. Green Bay yeah. bounce back. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I didn't think San Fran was that good, and everyone's like, they might finish second in the division. I'm like, calm down. Jimmy Garoppolo is still just there. He's still new on the block, and people are like, oh, no, no, he's going to be perfect. No, I mean, calm down. And now they don't have him. Now he's gone. Which means Marquise Goodwin isn't going to be so, as good. And that means that the 49ers are not as good. All right, so now we got to talk about the Bills and Texans here as the pick. I'm going Houston. Hmm. I mean... This goes back to that point of bad teams find ways to lose football games. They were gifted their win but against these are Indianapolis. two bad teams, so both of them are going to try to find ways to lose. I know. It's just my question Which one is, does it worse? Which one does it worse? Houston does. So I'm taking the Bills. Okay. Of course, I'm shooting my own foot, and I probably just doomed the Bills because I went 7-7 seven and seven before a Monday night game, which means I'm terrible at this. <laughs> but I also think, though, that this is a defensive struggle is exactly what the Bills win. And what does this look like? A good defense a get against a talented young quarterback and his group of players. But Will Fuller's too fast for his hamstring. The way that Joe says that, I believe it every day. Just like how I believe that Ben Roethlisberger is part cyborg. Thank you, Gates. Will Fuller's too fast for his hamstring. Trey White is going to shadow DeAndre Hopkins and minimize his impact. Yeah. The Texans' running backs are never promising. Lamar Miller's not that good when healthy, even if he's healthy. So this is exactly that kind of game that the Bills do win. And they inject more hope into our fan base. And then we start thinking, oh, my God, could we sneak our way ass backwards into the playoffs again instead of looking like the incompetent team from the first two weeks? This is exactly what that is. Patterns, Frank. You follow them. Okay. And the Bills, once again, are taking a not-talented roster and somehow winning games. And giving us hope which is a dangerous, dangerous tool. That's why I'm picking Houston. You're picking Houston because you think that they're just genuinely better, which is not a wrong take. I'm not saying that they're better. I just don't believe the hope. See, that's the problem, Frank. It's not that I believe in the hope. It's that I think it's going to happen and give people hope. This is exactly this is exactly how this is exactly it. how it happens. Hang on. Ready? <laughs> it's not news. It's an opinion. Here's how it happens, Frank. They beat Houston. 
they beat Indy for some strange reason, are 4-3, and three, and then the Patriots go and shut their season down. Because they do not just lose to the Patriots, they get embarrassed by the Patriots. Then Khalil Mack shows up, murders the Bills, probably even Josh Allen. We lose a divisional game somehow against the Jets, and then the bye week happens and all things have gone all to hell. Calling it. The Bills end up at 4-3 and three and lose three straight. Four straight if you count Jacksonville after the bye week. We'll see how well this take goes. But Yeah, we'll see how well this take but goes. But the AFC South is trash. Houston's win, Houston's first win of the season was because, and I say it again, Andy gift wrapped something on an awesome aggressive call that just didn't work. See, like, I feel... And then they faced Dallas, who, again, I don't know how I picked. I feel like Houston's going to win. The Bills will beat Indy. They'll be at 3-4 and four to get murdered by New England, and then into Chicago. It's so much worse if they are 4-3. and three. Oh, know I know. that, right? Oh, I know. Because then, then people will be like, no, but is this the year we beat New but England? here's the thing. But then like, here's yeah, the thing. stupidly beat New England this but year just because of reasons. But here's the thing. I had no like, logic behind that. But, like, I think they'll be at, like, uh, what, what would I say? What was I going to say? Three and four. Lose. They'll be at three and six. Then they'll beat the Jets somehow. And then by some miracle after the bye week, they, they beat Jacksonville because Jacksonville isn't that good. Even though their defense is still really good. You know, Blake Bortles is that kind of player you can yeah. victimize. They'll be at five and six and then heading into December where they play Miami and then they'll like they'll start to lose then. That's kind of where I'm feeling it's going. No. No, it's not that's not how it goes. There, this is this is called always getting... because right around because right around somewhere between week eleven and week thirteen, the Bills are always in contention. And then they have that heartbreaking loss. It's all and it, but we, but we all we all use the easy way the easy way saying it. They always lose to Kansas City, and it's a heartbreaking loss. And it always happens right around the end of November, beginning of December. Oh, they, if Kansas City was on the schedule this year, we wouldn't have heartbreak. there. It wouldn't be a heartbreak. We wouldn't have heartbreak. It wouldn't be a heartbreaking loss. It wouldn't be heartbreaking. You know where that heartbreak? You know where that heartbreaking loss is coming from? Miami. Because it's a game. Earl Thomas. <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now saying that because when here's I'm the thing. You know why I'm saying you know why I'm saying that? Because it's because the first game against the Dolphins is in Miami. And Earl somehow Thomas. it happened. Just reasons is the reason. Divisional game you could have put in there. Divisional game too, yeah. Well, that's by the obvious. Way, by the way, now anytime that I'm announcing that I'm flipping you off on the podcast or anyone else, I'm just going to say Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. <laughs> I can we think talk about the Sabres now? We can, and we will. Oh. It's just, I still can't believe I picked the Cowboys. Well, how, how stupid am I? Don't answer that. <laughs> Are you sure? Do not answer that. <laughs> Do I'm, not I'm, answer I'm, that. <laughs> Shut up. I'm waiting for another Earl Thomas. <laughs> there Asking is. ye shall receive. <laughs> All right. 
But I think that the Bills can – back to the main point on this. I, dude, the I, Bills can beat the Texans. They can. And this is exactly that kind of game that I'm screams just, it. I'm just also feeling like it's going to be another one of those really ugly games. Like oh, we yeah. saw against Tennessee, but this time it goes the other way. Well, here's my thing. Bill O'Brien is not a good coach. The Texans are a bad team that finds ways to lose games and have only beaten teams that are bad by one being gift-wrapped on an aggressive call, but two, Dallas. But it makes perfect sense for them to be Buffalo. And they needed overtime, didn't they? Yeah. So they've won their games in overtime. So that means they're going to go to overtime against Buffalo and win somehow. No. Because they find ways to win against bad teams in overtime. Well, you see, that's a pattern. It's very unlikely that that happens for a third straight game. Or who, who knows? But then Watson again, the might Bills, go off. But then again, the Bills winning two games in a row also seemed unlikely. Watson, at the start then of the Watson might go off then. Either way, I, think I, I feel it's a, it's I feel a like winnable we'll, game. It's a winnable game. I had it as a winnable game. Hopkins even, after getting... and, even though Fuller, yes, runs too fast for his hamstrings, he's still so dangerous. He is dangerous. And you got you got to shadow Trey White against Hopkins. You have to. And if the Bills have Mike Hyde is back, gonna... they can play a deep safety on that. Having someone like... Philip Gaines or Ryan Lewis on Will Fuller scares the living hell out of me. You know what scares the living hell out of Deshaun Watson, probably? Any of their linemen trying to block Jerry Hughes, who had another strip sack, well, another forced fumble yesterday. Yeah. So, this is just going to be a sack-laden game. The Bills can't protect Josh Allen. Texans can't protect Deshaun Watson. So it kind of screams just an ugly defensive game, and I think the Bills win that kind of thing. All right. J.J. Watt and Dave Van Clowney is going to have a monster game. Whitney Merciless. Everyone forgets about him. And him, too. Yes. Everyone forgets about Whitney Merciless. You know yeah. who doesn't? Josh Allen. Because <laughs> he's going to be formally introduced. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's... All right. Sabres. They won. You said it. Hey, Relax. R-E-L-E-X. It's because of the fact that this game happened on the first of the season. Exactly what I what I was saying. Yeah, when exactly. all the hype was here. Yeah, they looked like a. They didn't just look like a normal team. They looked like they beat a bad Rangers team, very handedly. Rangers lost to Carolina last night, like eight five. Yeah, the Rangers are not that good. If you can dominate possession against them and show that you are that kind of team that can take the next step, well, hey, here we go. And they did. And they did. I think that the I think that the Sabers can do some damage here. They've got Vegas against against the Vegas Golden Knights. This is the this is the first you know time that we could see a true test on it because both teams have had the days off. Yep. You know, three three p.m. game. I always love these three p.m. games. I do too. I'm going. You going too? Me too. Yeah. Okay. But looking forward for the season, it just. It just shows. Calm down. You know, don't overreact to one game. And I'm not going to overreact to this game either, the Rangers win. Carter Hutton did need to bail them out in the third period. And, boy, did he bail them out. He's also starting. I just think, though, that the I think that the Sabres are going to be a fine team. They're going to be a normal-looking team. They're going to be fun, more fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Did you see that Sherry goal, the second one? Yeah. Tic-tac-toe, bam, Tic-tac-toe. bam, bam. Tic-tac-toe. Reinhardt knew what he was doing with the puck before he even got it. And just a great play by Eichel. 
Great play by Eichel. Eichel looks down to Reinhardt. Reinhardt already knew what he was doing. Sherry knew what Reinhardt was doing before Reinhardt even got the puck. Yeah. So, <laughs> that was sick. All right. Frank, I think the Sabres are going to be fine. I think that yeah. we have a chance to just relax, enjoy the team as a hockey team, and go from there. It's as, it's, and it's, it's as I said on Friday. The Sabres can have that that game, kind of game against Boston this year because they're they're expected to grow, go through, th- through some growing pains. The fact that that game happened with all the hype in the first game of the year doesn't help. If they have the exact same game in January or February, no one says anything. Everyone's just like, well, they just got beat by a really good Boston team. Yeah, that's it. And but the fact that it happened, game one. Apparently changes everything. Yeah, that's that. It was all a matter of perspective. Why I just when that loss happened was the problem. Yeah, not how it happened. It's just when. And they played better than the scoreboard indicated. They did. They did, and we saw it on Saturday. The team that didn't quit, a team that did that had really good possession numbers. Rasmus Dahlin almost scored his first goal. Twice. He almost had it twice. He had two great opportunities. Zemgus Gergens is just forever cursed. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm I, going to sound mean when I say this, but I'm I'm growing delirious over the times that I see the Eli Manning horse face impression from Gergensen's after he blows a fantastic scoring chance. Mm-hmm. I wish him well, but I'm getting, I'm growing tired of having to see that face of, I can't believe I didn't score. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> it's just like, man, come on. All right. This one went a little longer than you use. Yeah. Cool with it. Mm-hmm. Always fun talking with Mark Schofield. Mm-hmm. Thanks to him for joining us, talking about the quarterbacks. It was a great interview. Thank you for listening to the Leftovers Podcast. We did not go over something else, Frank. What's that? That thing that I made fun of right away. Oh, yeah. What is with the UFC? I don't know, but I because thought it was hilarious. It was kind of hilarious, but at the same time, really, really pathetic. I think it's just, look, Dana White could say that's not how our, our fighters should be acting. I get that. There's a fine di- there's a big difference between talking and saying everything that you can under the under the clouds of this earth and jumping into the stands to go fight someone. There is a difference. But you let Conor McGregor do whatever he wanted. This is what you get. They deserve this clown show because they let it grow to this. And it's stupid. To me, it's all stupid. You got a man that just finally did not tolerate what Conor McGregor is about and had the talent to beat him. That's what that was. Yeah, because but wasn't I got, it the other guy who jumped the... Yeah, Khabib jumped the yeah. cage. But, again, why did he do that? He went after someone in Conor's crew. Yeah, that's true. Which, that's by the way, they went after him 
a couple of months ago. So you go ahead and tell me how people should feel bad for Conor McGregor or feel bad for the UFC. Reap what you sow. You got a clown show. You made it a clown show. Now you got to take that out. Yeah. Khabib's going to get suspended at least a year, minimum. Because the governor of Nevada was in the in the crowd. Hmm. And you know they're not going to take very lightly with that with the gaming commission. Mm-hmm. And then Conor McGregor. I'm kind of sick of his shtick. It's fun at first, but when you start crossing lines, A, you deserve to get your ass kicked. And B, you deserve no respect. I'm not saying that someone should have jumped into the cage and punched him in the back of the head. That's pretty cowardly, too. But everything that happened was by their design. Did they mean for it to escalate to that? Of course not. But to me, it's just stupid. And I'm glad that they got what they got out of this. Because you let it happen. You let it escalate to this. You didn't, t- you didn't rein McGregor in at all, ever. Why? Because he sold you fights. So with the money that you're getting, you have to sell your dignity. Because that's what you did. That's what they did. They sold their dignity the whole time. The whole bleeping time. Take that L. Wear it on your chest. Dana White. Because that's what happened. That's what it's about. I was not expecting to end this podcast with you ranting on something. I mean, it happens. Happens. I mean, come on. We, we do but this. But like I said, I just didn't expect it. Just saying. I know. People are just like, people just think that, oh, you know, Conor McGregor shouldn't have had that stuff happen. Yes, he should have. I'm glad he lost. Can't talk about a man's family's religion like that when he's going through some, when he's gone through some stuff as a child. And you don't especially see that when that man has wrestled a bear as a kid. I'd say, how dumb are you? But I think I know the answer. But again, they sold their tickets. They sold their pay-per-views. They got their contracts. They got their monies. But they also got an embarrassing spectacle. Hold that L to your chest. Because you Dunions. And we Dunions. Thanks for listening. Derek Kramer. Frank Curry. And Sabres to play against the Avs before our next podcast. Yep. There's any football happens before our next podcast. The MLB playoffs will be moving on to the next stage. Mm -hmm. Sorry about your Rockies. They're not looking good. Yeah. It's all right. Like I said, they got beat better really good for team. Yeah. Yankees, Red Sox. We don't know if that'll get to five games by then. We'll see what happens. This is going to be fun. Thanks for listening. Go out there and, uh, I guess, enjoy what has become a comeback of summer. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.